the idea of teaching is a big one and it's going to give you so many challenges. This is why teaching is such a huge thing. It's going to stretch you as a martial artist. It's going to really open you up. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema and this is Sistema for Life. Emmanuel, welcome back. Hey, how are you, Glenn? Yeah, pretty grand. Yeah, just a moved house, as we were just just mentioning. So, not in the chaos of boxes I would have expected. My wife drove drove me to uh, <laughs> to, to work and made sure that I uh, I unpacked everything and started the DIY immediately. So we're in pretty good shape. That's not bad. How about yourself? Yeah. You moved house recently too, right? Yeah. yeah, we renovated a little bit of my house, and I was out for about four or five months. So, boy, it's. Uh it's tough moving it's tough renovating so i I fully under i fully sympathize with you (laughs) (laughs) upheaval yeah Yeah, the cat's just walking in circles yelling at things worrying wondering what's going on at the moment so that's uh, she's keeping us all up no that's fun so hopefully luna your dog's doing okay so (laughs) right up my feet right now man (laughs) oh cool chilling nice so uh so yeah i wanted to chat a little bit um ostensibly about um your style of teaching and how you've come to develop you know, your way of um, teaching Sistema. Like every instructor has their own kind of style, right? Um, but you've, you've been a big influence on me over the years, um, both in watching you teach and directly just in conversations that we've had, you know, um, outside of training and stuff like that, about some kind of influences that you've had from kind of the world of sports science from like and you've referred a couple of excellent books to me that really influenced the way that i teach about how we learn in the in the brain and in the body particularly the nikolai bernstein one on about on dexterity and its development that that changed my entire way of thinking about teaching anything physical um and i, I think some people think more about teaching than others right some people are just like well you keep training you get good at sistema and then you show up and then people will do it with you and, and that's all you really need to do but i i think we're we're doing our students a disservice if that's all we do as instructors i think we we owe it to them to improve as as coaches and as teachers as well in the same way that you know you might in any other sport or martial art um so i just wanted uh if you want to kind of share some thoughts on there we can start anywhere that you'd like to and um and kind of get into where you where you develop your teaching style well, you know what? I think like most people, you, you let's say start a club, you start a training group, however it is that you start, right? In most mm-hmm. cases, it comes out of necessity. So I, I didn't, I never grew up saying I wanted to open up martial arts school. I was, you know, as you know, the story, I was, I was training up at Vlad's all the time. And then when I got married, I moved down to the city of Toronto and the commute in Toronto was, was crazy 15 years ago. Forget about now. Like, so I was spending hours driving, getting there. So it just became, uh, you know, logistical thing saying, okay, I want to continue training. Um, but I, I don't want to be driving two hours. That's just, it's unrealistic to get to training, especially if you have a family, you won't be able to get away that long. Right. So, so it, it, it goes a little something like this. I wanted to start a small training group and that was it. And I, I started teaching one or two days a week at a local place and then it just grew and then it just kept growing. And now, like I had already started teaching uh, uh, quite a bit at Vlad's before I had left. So I already had some teaching experience, but it's totally different on your own. Like it, it's completely different. You know, be, when you have an instructor over top of you that ultimately handles all the big issues, you can just go at teaching in a different perspective. You're not into it for the steering the ship, right? When you're you're steering that ship, it's a totally different perspective than when you're just, you know, close, you know, helping out. So 
when I opened up the fight club and then I was like, wow, I, and then it started to grow. I'm like, holy crap, I'm actually responsible for everything here. And it just dawned on me. It's not like I had this great plan. It's like a guy that opens up a restaurant, all of a sudden it's really good. And now he's got how it's growing. Right. So I realized very quickly and from going from student to teacher that it is completely different approach. It's like its own art, right? So teaching is its own vocation. It's, and I started just picking up some very basic books about teaching. And I just – there's many styles of teaching. Some people are more visual. Some people are audio. Some people are uh, – they demonstrate. And there's also many different ways students learn. Some are physical. Some learn through the mind. Some learn through reading more. There's like these different ways students learn too. So you have – um, almost like a Rubik's cube. Like there's many dimensions to this, right? It can be twisted and turned in many directions to try get the color to be even, right? Yeah. So, the, what I would encourage somebody is first, you, you got to go at this in two ways. You have your martial art journey, and that's one. Yeah. And then you also yeah. have your teaching journey, and that's another. And they will never exactly coincide. I mean, you could possibly get to a point where you ha- you're an amazing uh, teacher and an amazing martial artist. Um, I'm not sure that's possible. Um, I, I take it from me as a teacher, you give so much of yourself. There's no way you could push on both ends. Mm-hmm. There's no way. So, uh, when you look at a teacher and when I, I look at, let's say Vlad, I, I, I do it with much respect and Michael as well, because they could selfishly say, I want to just be the best martial artist, but they take some of that and they give it to us. Mm. And they take that energy that they would have sent on themselves and they've given back to us to help us. Yeah. Okay. And so, and good teachers, really good teachers, they just watch their students go past them because they give that much, right? They love it so much. So you have many different variables here. I don't want to, I don't want to go all over the place, but it's a huge topic you've talked about. So I'm just kind of going off the memories I have and the things that have gone. So it's not like, so people listening to this, I'm not I don't have anything written down it's nothing that we pre-rehearsed or practice but I will tell you this like if I could sum it up for myself and and maybe this will resonate with some of the uh, student teachers listening or or students that want to become teachers you first have to say to yourself that old adage of get to know yourself or know yourself is, is is powerful because at the highest level of teaching a teacher will teach who they are that's what you're teaching. You're not, you might start off copying another teacher, but ultimately you will be um, teaching who you are as a person. It's much like a singer, right? M- much like any artist. You, you can copy another artist at the beginning, but later on you have to find your own voice and your own way, right? Well, believe me, you know, I I'm, I'm, was the last guy to ever get into fights as my friends would tell you, but somehow I found myself in the middle of them. <laughs> and then I was like, I loved martial arts, but I don't particularly like fighting, but I love martial arts. <laughs> right. So then I, I was in this perplexing situation and I asked a, a good teacher of mine who's a martial artist, not a systemic guy though. And he said to me, he says, who better to teach you fighting than somebody that doesn't want to fight. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, wow, like who better to, 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 to give you something than a person that doesn't, doesn't, will not profit from this at all. Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're getting 
an endorsement from somebody that doesn't care, it's the best endorsement <laughs> because they have nothing to benefit from it. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it's I- like, it was so. I, I took a long time and looked at myself, my character. You know, I talked to my mom a lot. I talked to my dad when he was around a lot. I talked to my friends. I just asked them candid questions of who they thought I was or what type of personality I was. Not looking for pats on the back, but honestly. Yeah. About how like, they saw like th- me. Like 360 time. feedback type thing, you know what I mean? During the hard times, during the stupid things I did, during the good times, like all those times, what – you know, what were your thoughts on me? And I'm trying to get an understanding of who I am so that I can understand how I need to teach. Hi folks, Glenn here. As Systema for Life approaches its 100th episode, I'd like to take a minute to thank everyone who has contributed to the show, all our listeners, and to everyone who's offered requests, encouragement, and feedback along the way. I also need to ask a quick favor. We have already enjoyed two years of high-quality interviews, insights, and ideas on Systema for Life. We'd like to keep the show going, and we want to keep it open to all, but we need your help to do it. It takes time, effort, and more than little cash to produce a podcast, more than two grand a year at current hosting and production rates. We have no paid advertising, and we do it all off our own backs, with help from listeners and generous supporters like you. So if you're a fan of Systema for Life, and you get real value from the ideas and the conversations we create, then please take a few minutes now to subscribe at www.ncsystema.com support. Support at whatever level you feel like you can afford. Even $3 or $5 a month is a help. Think of it as buying us a beer or a cup of coffee once a month for our travels. So visit ncsystema.com support and use the buttons on the page to select your preferred monthly or annual support level. You'll receive a confirmation on sign-up, and you can cancel at any time. Your support really does help ensure the survival of the show. With gratitude, and wishing everybody a very Merry Christmas, thank you very much. That's a really interesting way of looking at it, because it's, you know, sometimes when you're working in other kind of uh, avenues of, like, learning and teaching, right? So let's say you're learning a language or learning a musical instrument or something like that right and there's a certain amount of skill that's required first of all just to have expertise and be able to tell anybody anything right there, I mean, there are some interesting exceptions to this there's people like Cus D'Amato the really famous uh, boxing coach right who boxing coached coach. yeah and he's like a little guy never really boxed himself in the ring <laughs> that kind of stuff but like coached some of the best heavyweights of all time you know and that kind of stuff you know Mike Tyson and a whole bunch of others um, so there's interesting exceptions to it but like, and some of those people have just been around the sport for so many years they just kind of absorb things and they see what works and they're just brilliant at coaching independently of their own skill but for the most part the best coaches are extremely good at what they do as well right they could they can show you they're not just telling you they can show you what they're doing um so but a lot of the time i think the pathway that people take is all right i'll get really good at this thing first whether it's a language or musical instrument or a sport or whatever it is right um and then once they reach a certain level of expertise they're like okay i'm pretty sure i could tell a beginner how to do things and then I'm, I'm pretty sure i could tell somebody who's intermediate and now like i've got such a level of expertise i can even coach people who are pretty advanced in how to go forwards and i can maybe even as you said coach people to go past me but in doing that typically i found and i might be wrong here you can you know correct me and point out some other types but I, i've i've kind of noticed that teachers fall into a couple of different types there's one that's very very cerebral um, and likes to explain everything they're going to do before they do it, right? Um, they go, here's why I'm going to do this thing, blah, 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 blah. Here's why it makes sense. Here's why it fits into what you already know. Now I'm going to show you the thing. Did you see that? And uh, give it a try, and then I'll explain more if you didn't get it, right? And sometimes, you know, I probably count myself in this in this bracket. I, I kind of go across a, a couple of different categories, but I probably do that 
a lot and maybe sometimes more than I should, right? Maybe too cerebral in teaching sometimes. But um, And then there's the others who are just very kind of kinesthetic. They're like, watch this. And they, and they just do it over and over and over again. And they're like, now you should do it over and over and over again. And eventually you'll figure it out. And then they'll come, they'll give you kind of like corrections, but they're more like physical corrections. They're like, do, do this or try this with a feeling of, you know, very much kind of like trying to get you to go from the body out. And I've, over my time teaching, I've tried to transition a little bit more into that style. But what I found is that if somebody's on one extreme of those or the other, either they're too kind of tactical Right. In the sense of like, you know, like I'm going to give you techniques and tactics and things that you need to think about and then try and employ them. Or if they're too, for the want of a better, of a better word, practical, like tactical versus practical. The practical are just like, just do it. You'll figure it out. Do it again and again and again. You'll fail. You'll fail. And eventually you'll learn. If, if you either end of those extremes, it seems like you're, you're wasting an opportunity. Right. Um, the tacticians waste the opportunity to help people learn directly through the body and the practitioners lose the opportunity to help people understand things more quickly and like not have to just walk the path a thousand times and you know and then eventually get it right do, do you know what i mean Is it- i do i do and you know i i'll tell you from just the the teachers at the fight club and from the teachers i've seen up at vlad's that i helped um years ago nobody believes they're ready no mm. matter how much you train <laughs> even me i was like I, you, nobody thinks even after five, 10 years, you, nobody thinks they're ready to lead. It's, it's an interesting thing there. Nobody it has nothing to do with whether you feel it's, are you, are do you, ha, are you have enough courage at that time to do that? Hmm. You know, like that, that's really what it comes down to. It's not, I could train somebody privately for five to 10 years and say, okay, you're ready to teach now. And they won't believe it. Hmm. You have to, you, you, you have to very, you have to introduce this slowly. It, it takes a little bit of um, doing, a little bit of, of, of trying, a little bit of thing. It takes a long process to make a good teacher. Um, it's a lot of little things over a long period of time, right? Uh, you know, just get this idea that you're going to be perfect out of your head, anybody who's going to go with this. Like, I've made mistakes. Vlad's made mistakes. I'm sure Michael's made mistakes. There's no way you could possibly learn or become something great without failing a lot at something. So we've all made mistakes. But the fact that you're learning from them is the most important thing, okay? So um, you could train for years and still not feel ready to teach. So so that check that box. Like you'll never feel ready to teach. So whoever's listening to this, yeah, <laughs> if you feel ready to teach, yeah, I was the same, and I'm sure many other teachers will tell you the same thing. Um, the question is, yeah. the question is, ask yourself, what are the motives behind teaching? Hmm. Like, what are your motives behind this? If it's to evolve and to grow in from a different perspective, that's great. Hmm. If it's to help out the teacher that's there, maybe you're, you're, you know, you're an instructor, you want to be instructor and maybe you're, you know, you want to help out the teacher that's there, right? Which was my motivation. You know, hmm. uh, Vlad was there teaching all the classes and it was difficult on him. It was a lot of classes. I just wanted to help my teacher out. You know, covering a few classes here and there, giving him some time off to focus on different things, family, business, whatever it is, Hmm. you know, and that's, I'm sure what a lot of people's um, intent is when you're training uh, in some, because you just want to help the guy out. That's all. Yeah. And, and then slowly like that, you start to grow and and your confidence grows and your style starts to come out and it, it just kind of builds from there. Um, I wouldn't throw somebody directly in and just say, good luck. 
Um, I've seen people do that. It has varying levels of success. Um, I wouldn't call it any way for the way I do it at the Fight Club is I have uh, good students. I, I, I tell everybody, they're going to come a point where the only real way you're going to grow is through teaching and because it'll just reinforce, reinforce the things that you think you know and if you do know them. Yeah. Because if you can teach yeah. them, you know them, right? So I, I look at it like even if you don't have any interest in opening up your own school or, or having whatever, you should still be able to teach a class. Hmm. If need be, you should still be able to teach a class. It's not It's not a, It's not. not a. Earth science, it's not that difficult. You know, and for senior students, if anybody's been doing over five years, anywhere somewhere there, you should be able to teach a class. Yeah. Mm. And if not, that that that's what you gotta work on. Mm. Right? You should be able to do a warm-up, you should be able to teach a class. You should you you that that's necessary. Mm. That's not like a prerequisite. That's like that should be a necessary skill set. So that's that's you know? interesting. So what something that I've heard, like in in what you've just said, is is that you're kind of um, you've equated a little bit teaching with leadership like right away and not everybody looks at it that way right some people are just like well I'm teaching a class I'm just literally just leading a class like I'm here to lead this thing instead of like I'm here to lead these people in this context right and so this kind of to me crosses over with you know you hear about people talking about it in business and all the things that people look for in, in, in effective leaders across the board and it seems like the same things that I respect in, in great teachers, right? Um, is the same things that I respect in great leaders, right? First of all, if, if they're sincere, right? If they seem authentic in what they're doing, then I'm much more likely to listen to what they're saying and want to learn from them, right? Um, so, whereas if somebody's just kind of bullshitting or they're, you, you know, they're trying to be too tough or they're trying to be, you know, cover their ass with the way that they talk about things or something like that, or they're, they're making claims to their abilities that they, their bodies don't really you know, match up to when they demonstrate or something like yeah. that, then, then I'm like, yeah. well, you're not being authentic. You're just copying some other instructor that you've seen and you're, you're just parroting the words and the phrases. And it's, this is not you. I would rather that you showed me even to a lesser extent of ability and just be yourself right so that authenticity is really important and another thing is i find that good leaders always kind of lead by example like they lead from the front right they 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 don't tell you that you should relax and you should you know live the system of life and you should be cool and you should control your emotions and then they're just out of order and shouting at everybody all the time and stuff like that right if, if somebody's trying to give you all these principles and tell you that these are all a great idea and you should practice them right but they're not actually walking the walk then i'm like well then how how was it working for you pal right if you're angry all the time and you're teaching this style of martial art that's supposed to make you calmer it's like it doesn't seem to be working for you right <laughs> Or or a sport or whatever it is, you know. You see people who are amazing and you know, great boxers, great MMA fighters, great swimmers, and that sort of stuff, right? And they're angry in their spare time and they're smashing up the tour bus and they're doing stuff. I'm like, you don't look like you're very happy with your job, you know. It's like you probably need a different job or something like that. So that authenticity and then that also the um, the willingness to kind of lead by example, like lead from the front and bring everybody with you as well. And then I think the third thing I look for is that good leaders listen, right? They don't just make unilateral decisions about what's going to happen. They actually look at who's in front of them and they'll adapt as they go, right, as they go along. And maybe that comes back to what, a little bit to what you were talking about, about learning styles, but I think probably more than that. It's, you know, you've told me before, and Vladimir has actually told me this before as well, that, you know, you shouldn't have too, you have a, having a plan is good, but not having too much of a plan is bad for a class. And uh, 
when you roll in, it's good to just look at what people are doing. If they're warming up by like rolling around on the ground, then you should start by moving on the ground. If they seem like really twitchy and they've got a lot of energy, you should start making them exercise. You know, and you've got a series of great exercises that you do with people. Sometimes you just have people walk and talk in pairs, you know, for the first five minutes, and that that's what they need. They need to socialize. They need to have social engagement before they can calm down enough, right? Maybe they need to tell somebody about their shitty day, or you know, they need to get something out of the system before they can do quality work. You know, so I, I think that's really interesting. There's that that teaching as leadership. Well, it's, it comes down to your values and your beliefs, okay? Um, you know, there's this, there's this thing about you have a martial art club. There's this uh, ego that people want to have like a tough and bad and, you know, kind of like, a, you know, a type of uh, martial arts school or attitude, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, if you, if you watch the Kung Fu Panda series, you see, you know, that was the dilemma with the teacher, the 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 the... the the sensei got this overweight f- fat panda. He says, "You're not a martial artist. You, you know, you look at you. You're, 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 you smell. You're gross. You're this. You're that." And and then he realized that the problem wasn't the panda; it was him. Hmm. Okay. So you, when you start teaching, you have this idea of the students that you want, but all kinds will come to you, hmm. and you have to be able to teach all of them because if they're truly coming to you. Okay, and I, for those, maybe not a lot of people know, I've trained some really interesting people. I trained a, a girl, I'll never forget it. She had cerebral palsy, I'll never forget her. She came in, her brother wanted to train, so she was in a wheelchair. And she could not move her arms, could, or at least not voluntarily, they were kind of spazzy. Mm. And she couldn't speak, uh, she could grunt and twist and turn. And her name was Marusa, I'll never forget it. A good write-up on it. She was about 10 or 11, and she was in a wheelchair while her brother was in the class participating in the youth class. Hmm. And I looked over in the side, and she was kind of um, twitching and moving, and she just looked like she wanted to participate, hmm. right? And her father eventually took her out of the wheelchair to hold her, and she was quite big, and father was quite a big guy too. And uh, she was just moving like crazy. And she, he goes, you know, she, he goes, she really – sorry she just really wants to go in and i go why don't you bring her in and why don't you be your her arms and legs Hmm. like you bring her into the class okay and uh i never forgot that she trained for years at the club her dad being her arms and legs wow that's amazing and was i've never seen a happier student in my life walk through that door wow she was so happy her father trained with me her mother trained with me her brother trained as well but she, when I saw her, I tell you, every parent that was watching that class and sees this kid, you know, 11-year-old girl, she was big. She wasn't small. Yeah. And there she is learning takedowns with her. And, and I'd walk by and I'd tell her to breathe and no word of a lie, Glenn. She's inhaling and exhaling. Yeah. Hey, she's got it. Yeah. And then listening to her mother say she goes to sleep better now. Her muscles are less stiff from the, from the, the trainers that are working with her. Like – this is the problem as a teacher. We have this idea of who we think our students will be. Students will come to you that are supposed to come to you. That's it. One type of student is going to come towards Vlad. One other type of student is going to come towards Michael. Another type of student is going to come towards me and come towards you, depending on who knows, look, personality, aura, <laughs> stigma, whatever it is. Just, just geography. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever yeah. it is. And, yeah. and you, you, can't, you have to embrace that as a teacher. You can't say, I don't want this, I don't want that. 
Yeah. You, you, there's a reason they came to you, like a bigger reason than yourself. And so, you so that's about that. Yeah. So, so you're saying we should always work with the person from where they're at, and and just, like accept yeah. accept where they're at first, and accept your your expectations, throw them out the window. Just like you know, work with people exactly where they are, and it's everybody's got somewhere to grow to, right? So I want people listening to this and you to understand this. It's not a problem. It's a puzzle. That's the mm. way it teaches us to look at something. It's mm. not a. It's a puzzle that you have to solve. Okay. And some people like a surgeon or they got no time. They got to figure this out. It's a puzzle. I got to figure out something's come. I've got to figure this out. It's life or death. It's not life or death for us, but it's a puzzle. So Mm. how am I going to train this? And that was the story in Kung Fu Panda. It was the food that motivated the panda. And he figured that out halfway through the movie, right? Which was interesting because he never thought that would be motivational too, but it's obvious to all of us. Right. right? And it was only anger and ego that didn't allow him to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. So for those that are back to the idea that we started with, the idea of teaching is a big one and it's going to give you so many challenges. This is why teaching is such a huge thing. Mm. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to stretch you as a martial artist really wide. It's going to really open you up and you got to be ready for that. Um, You got to be ready to be uncomfortable. You got to be ready to deal with it. You got to be ready to problem solve. Um, um, you got to not be ready to be right. Hmm. Like that people want to be right, but nobody's right all the time. Just accept you might make a mistake, but in your heart, you know, in your heart, which is where everything starts, it comes to your hand. So you have the goodest intention and then it comes to your hand, right? So that's how I usually train people. It's like, if if you want to train with me, I have no problems, but you have to show me you're willing to come and put in the work. I I can't do that for you. But as a teacher, I'll put in the work, I promise you. If you put in the work on your end, I'll put in the work on my end to try to teach you. And it can work at all levels, kids, adults, see whoever it is that wants to learn. As long as they come in with a good attitude and work hard. And the number one thing is for students is just consistency. Guys, whoever's listening to this, wrap your head around it. If you're not training regularly, Hmm. it's hard to grow. I don't care. It is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good your don't teacher is. I was like, yeah, you could. yeah. Don't turn to the teacher. I'm, I'm showing up there. I'm there. You yeah. Know? And, and yeah. if you really want to learn this, you got to put in the time at home and on the map. Yeah, I've, I've heard it said, a, really, a really good quote. Yeah, that I heard recently was uh, the the enemy of learning is forgetting. Right. It's it's yeah. not like you learn stuff and then you have it. It's like the, the actual problem is that literally the way that we our brains work, whether it's a physical skill. And people say, oh, it's just like riding a bike. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, if you haven't ridden a bike for 40 years, try getting on a BMX and doing a jump. Let's see how well that's going to work out for you. Right. So, so it's literally you. I mean, after a certain point, if you review something enough times, right, there's like a drop off psychologically like in the brain with your amount to re- retain a physical skill or retain a, like a mental process. But if you review it enough times, like after about. You know, uh, I think it's something like 60 repetitions, but you can leave it longer in between, right? I don't know if you've heard about this concept in uh, language learning as well. You know, if you learn a new phrase or series of phrases, then if you review it the next day, then you'll have it the next day. And then you can leave it for like uh, 
two more days like re- review it on day four and then you can do it on day eight and then 16 and then a month later and then by the time you get to six months if you can remember it two times six months apart and you've done that drop off scale then it's pretty much permanently stored in your hard memory and the same thing is true increasingly it seems with like physical skills like if you review them like that and that's why like a lot of military training works right so that people go in hard at the front end doing boot camps and they just have to do something every single day for a whole bunch of for three months right and then at the end of it they're like that's my skill now i have this skill right and you could learn things that way in a way that's very difficult to do as like a you know as a part-timer doing it like once a week at a club or something like that so so that kind of that reinforcement is critical to being able to like retain and grow right so 100 percent um there's a there's a saying that I'll, I'll give it teachers to, to, to the, the teachers, the aspiring teachers, the teachers that are in it right now. Okay. First, there's an old phrase that says genius leaves clues. So watch teachers better, not just systemic teachers, all teachers watch how they teach. It's right in front of you. I'm telling you the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, everything from their mannerisms to the softness of their body, to the confidence with which they walk, to the words they use when they talk, everything is there. The clues are there. Hmm. They're hidden. People like to think it's hidden. It's right smack in front of you. Hmm. So learn to watch whoever it is that you admire as either a martial artist or as a teacher in Sistema or another teacher. Like I watch all kinds of teachers. I'll watch a gymnastics coach. I'll watch a you name it. Anybody that's teaching something that has to do with with anything. I'll listen to it. I mean, uh, Pilates. I, I'm I'm always watching the way they can communicate through metaphors and and images or or props. The way they the way they teach. Like you have to develop your style. And mm. when you find a teacher that very much suits your style, mm. like a, and this is where your values and beliefs come in. These are very, very important, right? So when you when you know yourself, when you've taken time to understand who you are, why you think the way you are, like why did you bother doing this? Why did you bother doing that? Why did you bother taking martial arts? Why do you work out? What like what is it that why you get all this stuff going? Hmm. Powerful. Then now you watch people that you admire or that you enjoy or that you you know just for whatever reason something you like about them right i would attend those professors classes in university i don't know why i like them what Mm. they were saying or how they said it or the way they taught the classes and they influenced me in the way i taught so Mm. i've had many different teachers not just through martial arts that have that have that have helped me um actually probably more outside martial arts than in martial arts right Mm. because i was a director i was leading people way before i was teaching martial arts Mm. like Way, I, I had this concepts of leadership and way before I did this. This yeah. is a huge topic, right? Yeah. So genius leaves clues is very important. So learn to watch people really closely, not demonstrations or techniques on how to take somebody down. Watch how they did it. Look how they didn't use nearly as much energy as somebody else. Look yeah. at how smooth it was. Like Think of how a judge judges a, a um a program like a gymnastics program like it's not just height and power it's control it's grace it's mm. expression it's 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 so many and then this little thing on the landing has to be perfect like all these like little things show your complete mastery of this thing yeah it's not one thing hmm. so look become very good at looking and observing 
Um, and we always say that about martial arts. First level of martial arts is observing the danger. Mm. Just observe it before you even. You don't even have to fight. Do you? Can you strictly pick out danger? Yeah, it's mm. a valuable skill, right? And yeah. then if you're if you're honestly teaching, if you're honestly going to be teaching, and you want to go down that road, you need to teach with some regularity, once a week, once a month, like something. You got to mm. be able to put it together because if if martial arts is one journey and teaching is another journey, well, if you're sporadic in your teaching. Yeah. You know, what do you expect? You start, yeah. yeah. What do you expect? So it, it doesn't have to be complicated. I have lots of. Uh, I have about four teachers in in uh, at the Fight Club now that I'm slowly getting ready, and I have them doing the warm ups in class on a regular basis. Like so, at least there's part of teaching there. Maybe like a half hour, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then maybe next time a class, and now their skills start to grow on as the teacher as the student and then all that starts to kind of but you need some regularity in that you mm. can't just say i want to teach and i'll just do it once in a while there's got to be a little bit of a plan it's got to be part of something join us here at nc sistema the weekend of january 24th to 26th 2020 for a deep exploration of sistema principles with senior sistema instructor emmanuel manolakakis in this next seminar entitled reconstruction emmanuel will guide you in the process of building your awareness skill and control under a wide range of combative situations with a view to deepening and consolidating your abilities this will be emmanuel's second event at nc sistema the third and final event in the series is planned for january 2021 the event will be held at Mid-South Fences Club in downtown Durham, North Carolina, and is priced at $255 for the whole weekend if you register before January the 1st. Podcast patrons can save an additional 10% by entering the discount code PATRONS, that's P-A-T-R-O-N-S, all caps, at the checkout stage. Numbers for this seminar are strictly limited, so sign up online today at ncsystema.com slash events. See you there. So the one last thing that... Um that occurs to me in that one as well is that to be to be a good teacher or a good leader you actually have to be okay with the idea of relinquishing control right that, that i think sometimes the the teachers or the the leaders that i don't respect are the ones that micromanage that, that they can't let somebody else lead a warm-up you know they can't it, it has to be the them show all of the time right and and in doing that it shows a certain kind of insecurity and an inability to you know a lack of trust in the people that they've trained and the people you know that they're supposed to trust um whereas like it, allowing somebody else to to have that control actually what it does is that then people give you more control, right? If you give up that power and you're like, and you're happy with being, letting people kind of explore and do things, then it gives them more of a feeling of agency. And then typically they'll give you more power and they kind of hold you up. And then you can, then you can actually do more through influence than you can by trying to wrestle control over somebody. And I guess that applies on a one-to-one -one scale in, you know, wrestling and combat and stuff like that in the way that it does psychologically in controlling a group of people, right? If you, if you try as a teacher, if you go in there and you're all kind of like disciplinary and you're like, you shut up, get on the floor do a bunch of push-ups now do this no you're doing that wrong you should do that relax more no relax relax you know it's like that's never worked in the history of anything shout and relax at somebody you know something like that but sometimes you see this right you see people you know working this way trying to kind of just correct people in the way that they want to 
make it happen they want to teach people to be clones themselves but really good teachers and you know among these i, I count you count like martin and like vladimir as well you know and and, and M- michael and there's so many Igor ponizov you know i love the way he teaches as well he's very understated and he's he's like you know guys you should try this and explore some of this but he he's happy with you working around things and then coming back and then he's there if you need him you know like and he kind of appears when needed but he doesn't bother you he's not like flying around your head like an annoying butterfly like correcting everything that you're doing you have to know when to leave people alone and let them grow as well right yeah so if i if i hear what you're saying um i always say to somebody are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat Hmm. so a teacher can control the temperature of the room so that's a thermostat. Yeah. So it's movable. Yeah. So a, th- a thermometer just tells you what it is. It tells you what the it, – it has no control mechanism. Hmm. You can set the thermometer of the class or the thermostat of the class to whatever heat you want. Hmm. You can cool it off. You can heat it up. Okay? And a teacher has to have that skill of being able to do that. Hmm. Okay? So many cases, you know, you, you got to go with this and saying when you say – Come to class with an idea. You're coming to a class idea because you want to. You don't know the, the temperature of the room. You know, let's say you see people stressed or it was a snowy day. People just shoveling. You know, especially here. You know, where you know, it's <laughs> freezing cold. It's shoveling. You know, bringing students in and just making them do a thousand push-ups that might not necessarily be what you need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really, really depends. You play on energy. You play on the 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 you know heating it up, cooling it down. You're really playing with those kind of factors to bring students to a place that is uncomfortable to facilitate growth. You, hmm. you know, for us to grow, there has to be a challenge. For us to evolve, we need to be challenged. So it can't all be comfortable. Yeah. Right? It needs to be so a teacher needs to be able to bring a student to the edge of their hmm. comfort zone. Um, and let them, like you said, sit there. Yeah. And listen, there's there's a lot of, you know, I want to make this clear. There's a lot of really good system instructors out there. Lots. We couldn't possibly go through the list right now. Sure. Yeah, uh, it sounds. so many names on social media. I don't even know them all. But I see some of their stuff and it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. There's so many good instructors. Not, you know, it's, it's, it's so much more diverse than it was 10 years ago. So it's amazing, right? So we should ha- be happy with this diversity, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and I've, I've always wanted to encourage my fellow instructor. I've never been one to isolate anything. It's We all have a collective benefit with each other, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that each one of us has a special gift in its own way. It's not better or worse. Everybody yeah. has a, a yeah. collective way of, of doing this. So as you start to teach, and maybe some of the stuff you notice is I'm able to control the temperature of the room in some mm. ways, okay? And meaning I, I don't I'm not just happy seeing you happy. I'm not happy seeing you play. I love when I see hear people laughing and playing, but so that it opens up the door to learning. And then when you got the learning, now you gotta put the practice. So yeah. I play yeah. and I learned this. Now I need to learn. It's not like you're staying playing. Hmm. You go with learning, right? And I like people learning and I like people growing, so I have to like people being uncomfortable. There's no way. Grade one has to go to grade two. That's uncomfortable. Grade two goes to grade three. That's uncomfortable. University, like everything gets more uncomfortable. A little bit more. Grade one doesn't go to grade five. It goes slowly 
with a little bit of uncomfort, with a change. And mm-hmm. we did it naturally because we went to a different classroom from grade one. You went to a different teacher in a different classroom, right? But we don't – we go to the same school. Hmm. We can't yeah. just changing schools, but what we can change is our attitude. So every year I try to approach this time in a different way. Some years I approach it more from a health perspective. Other years I, perspe- I, I, I do it more from a teaching perspective. Other years I do it from perspective of a pure martial arts. I change the way I, I become different type of teacher every time. So it's like I change my classroom to open mm. up new doors into different mm. things, right? Yeah. What I realize now as a teacher is that there is so much mental anxiety and mental stress that it's not so much about fighting anymore. People are just they're they're decision fatigued. Yeah. <laughs> they make so many decisions a day, they're completely fatigued. Hmm. So um, being able to give people back some energy, being able to make people feel good so that they kind of get themselves to a place where they can even make an attempt at changing. Yeah. And growing, yeah. right? Yeah. That's so important. There's That's so critical. Many ways so many ways that you can do this as a teacher, right? Mm. Um, but that's kind of how I would look at it for people that, um, you know, this God, this podcast could go for three hours if we let it. Um, it's a huge topic. It's a huge topic. And sometimes I'm glad it goes candid like this so people can kind of hear my thought process. There's just a gajillion things in my head, memories, information I've come across, and putting it all together becomes near impossible. You just got to just say what's on your mind. Yeah, that's what I like about podcasting. It's, uh, you know, people, it's, it's nice that people don't prepare too much for it, you know, because then you actually, as you're coming into conversations, you get to hear people's real opinions and real fit. And it, sometimes people even establish them on the fly, right? They're not even quite sure that they knew that. And then when they talk it out, they're like, oh, yeah, that is actually what I believe about teaching, or that is what I believe. You know, they kind of construct it in conversation, which is, which I love as a medium. I like listening to podcasts. I like doing this. You know, it's a, it's, it has a unique value, I think, above just writing articles or putting videos out or something you know it's, that's very top down i think this feels it's a lot more interactive the dialogue brings something else out i think in itself yeah sure, sure so so we're really looking forward to having you down again in uh, january so this will be the second of th- three seminars down here in north carolina and so last year you put us through um kind of working from kind of practice and moving uh through into the concept of play like developing play and your movement and getting comfortable with your partner and then we just kind of started tipping the iceberg of moving from play to control um and then it was the end that this year is going to be more on control and influence right the last year is going to be pretty much entirely how do you influence from begin from the start of the interaction from the start of the conflict but this year is focusing more on kind of establishing control from that play state do you, do you want to say a little bit more about that for the folks who are coming or maybe the folks who haven't registered yet the, the interesting thing about play is that it first it calms your nervous system down it, mm. it, it when you look at when you look at an altercation right you or you look at something there's always a nervous response to it it's like uh well you have to give a speech today and all of a mm. sudden like <laughs> you're nervous right away, right? Yeah. Like first comes your nerves, right? Like it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, uh, it, it's rare that something happens so fast that your nerves don't have a chance to react, right? The only mm. thing that could come up is maybe like dropping a cell phone or something. It's like I didn't, yeah. I didn't have to think about it. I just reached and grabbed it. Mm. Um, the nervous system based on modern living with cell phones, uh, computers, fast-paced lifestyles, seems to be very taxed okay yeah. you know whether it's the light from the screens um the psychology behind social media and yeah. how it's 
playing on our attention, how yeah. it's um, it's it's establishing patterns that that in 20 years we're going to, you know, very similar to what a cigarette company went through saying, you knew what you were doing with our lungs, right? And, right. and cell phones, yeah. what they're doing with our minds is very scary. Yeah. And uh, people, I, I'll, I'll give you this, when you start the first hour of your day on your cell phone and you end the last hour of your day on your cell phone, you are giving away your sovereignty as a person. Hmm. Okay. You are giving. You say away. I give away my sovereignty, as as a, as an individual. I give it away. Um, mm. Dangerous tools that we have to really look at close. They do a lot of things great, and I'm I'm on social media, but I, I monitor it very closely, and it's mm. I I I don't live on there. That is not the real world. The real world is in my house here, mm. in Toronto, on the streets, and at the Fight Club. And it's very important to remember that you, you have to understand why you're there. What is mm. it trying to accomplish? What message are you trying to communicate? And then that's enough. You're not living your life through this thing. It's super dangerous. The nervous yeah. system is, is is it's amazing. You just got to look at what they do with lab rats and what they do with other stuff. It's scary. Sure. The implications. I'm not going to go off that tangent. But yeah. I will say this. When you when you bring people to a plate of state, uh, a, a state of play, yeah. you all of a sudden relax the nervous system. Yeah, which is you know everybody has a few drinks at a bar and you start to really see who they are. It just relaxes the person a little bit. That's so I had a yeah, I had Stephen Porges, the world-renowned uh, stress researcher, on a couple of podcasts ago, right? And uh, yeah. so he coined uh, he has this polyvagal theory that's been about for about twenty, thirty years now, and he coined the term social engagement system as a part of the nervous system that people don't recognize. They're like, oh, either you're you're just happy and you're good and you're relaxed, parasympathetic, or it's fight or flight and you're trying to kill people. He's like, no, there's two more that you're missing. Like past fight or flight, there is shutdown and possum mode and absolute withdrawal and depression, right? You're not fighting anything. You're not running away from anything and you're not even hiding. You are completely shut down. You're like dead, you know? Um, and then in between feeling completely safe and feeling like you're in a fight there's this social engagement mode where the first thing that we really do is we try and recruit help um so in a, in a very real sense that state of play even when it feels a little bit dangerous like martial arts play or you know it's competitive play it creates a sense that all right um our blood pressure's up and we're doing things that we'd normally associate with danger um or a danger of response but because we're around people and there are rules and we've and that's what defines play right we've established rules it's like okay we can wrestle but you can't punch me in the head or we can punch each other but we have to wear these big gloves you know <laughs> or whatever it's going to be right we establish rules. nobody takes the gloves off and just goes it, it, as soon as you do that it's not play anymore right it's no it's like i ain't playing i am not playing anymore right? this way so play establishes the safety that you need to downregulate your nervous system so that then you can afford to go up the way a little bit is that what you mean by going from play to control or can be, can be, because what I, what I, what I, so I, I, I'm not just on my, I, I live Systema through many different ways, and what I'm gathering from some of Michael's teachings and from some of uh, Vladimir's teachings, and then my understandings as well, I mean, that's the best I can do, right? Like, I, hmm. I don't have access to Michael directly, and I see Vladimir with, with some regularity, but, I mean, you, you, there's only so much time a teacher can spend with you. Yeah. Um, so for me, what I make you know, you make your conclusions based on what you see and stuff. And I'm I'm realizing a lot of this breath work and a lot of this relaxation work is really to calm down the nervous system. Hmm. Um, and when we look at some of Sistema's you know history, which is more in the military. Of course, the soldier is going to be totally stressed out of his mind, and if he can't control his nervous system, he won't even remember what he's supposed to do. 
like when you actually think of it that way, right? Under grave amount of stress, so we're talking death stress, right? How how are you going to control? So it's it's not people often talk about muscle memory or conditioning the muscles. That's like a low level. That's like that's like the basic level. The next level is your ability to control your nervous system, which is all of a sudden if there's a guy in front of me chirping and and saying obscenities, I can calm myself down. I don't need to bite on that. I don't need to even respond to that if I don't want to. I'm in full control of my nervous system. So now when I punch a guy out, it has nothing to do with what he did. It's because of what I decided. I decided that you need to take it out. That's so you got, you got your sovereignty and your agency back through that then, my right? Sovereignty. You get to make choices against them. Yes, yeah. it's my choice I make. Most of the time I see people making choices based on what the other person did to them. How would you live your life if that's what you did? Hmm. You'd never, nobody would live a good life. We're trying to, re, we're, we're, there's nothing wrong with fighting. There's nothing wrong with punching a guy in the head if he, if he fully earned it. If, yeah. he, if he earned it, you know, don't feel bad for the guy. If you deserve this, you, you had this comment, so to speak. But I need to make that decision based on my, not based on what you're trying to make me do. Hmm. Or like I am, you know, we, we see this in somebody's trying to sell you something you don't want. You're like, I know what you're up to. You're trying to make you go somewhere I don't want to go, and I'm not going to go there, right? Mm-hmm. So when you play, you calm down the nervous system, and now when I make an action, the action is based solely on my own decision. Right. I'm not going to jump around. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to jump around because you're trying to make me nervous. You know, you wish. You know, it, when you look at the true master's work, right? It, it, you you're not going to get that. They're 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 really control of the nervous system and the nervous system meaning their mind right your mind being the central nervous system right but the nerves are there all the time you know you can have a guy in front of you like jumpy you know you know giving you like cut eye and stuff and all of a sudden it it, it affects you Hmm. can you control your nerves and make a good decision and a good calm action to that this sounds great this sounds a well, I can't wait to see what you're unpacking for us this year. It's going to be a lot yeah, of fun, just, given um, this back our agency. More. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's more. And I'm a big fan of my teaching. Is I'm, I'm going to bring a lot, but then you're going to need to do a lot after I leave. Like, it, yeah. it's not, there's it's no the way, way I could possibly, like, I early on I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to entertain here. I'm going mm. to teach. I, I want you guys to learn the stuff I've learned, and that doesn't come in one weekend. There's no way. You'll see. I'll show you there, but mm. I'll bring you there. But then you put in the work, and you watch what happens. It doesn't take that long, six mm. weeks, eight weeks, and a little bit more, and it, you'll, you'll start to really uh, pull it down. It took me two years of play before I could figure out the nervous system thing. Mm. Yeah. I really yeah. played a long time before I really said, I feel this. That guy's trying to choke me out, and I'm not. I'm not going to bite on it. I'm. I'm not going to go down that path. You know, for me, system always was uh, because I, it was stressful. I worked in a lot of very stressful jobs before I had the Fight Club, and hmm. it was a place where I I relaxed and found myself. Hmm. Yeah, it's for a lot of people. I think. You know, like, yeah, you get a busy business yeah. environment where you know there's you know sneaky people and drama everywhere. I came there. It was like, like this is the this is home. This is where I want to relax and I want to discover and grow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
I think it would be nice if we could if we could all create that kind of atmosphere for our for our clubs and our students, right? Like that, that it feels like home. Like, we got a bit of that here too. It's nice. It's like when people say that one of my students, Gabe, went off, um, you know, uh, on the visit uh, to see his family, and uh, he, was, he was he was away for a week or two, and he came back, and in the circle afterwards, he just said, "It's good to be home," and that was it. And I was like, ah, that's why you know, this is why I do the job. This is why I do the job. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Very important. Great. So well, I'll thanks for other little things, but but we'll all save it for then. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, man. And thanks again for taking the time and um, for your insights. And we really look forward to seeing you down here again in North Carolina. And uh, as usual, if, so people can find you um, there in uh, South Toronto at FightClub.ca. Is that right? Yep. Bro. Yep. You and just, I'll stick. You type in Fight Club. You just have to type in Fight Club in Google, and you'll find me. Right. <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> nice. That was a good choice of name. You got the Brad Pitt Association. You got the book. <laughs> nice. All right, man. Well, take care and enjoy. Thanks, take Lu- take Luna for a walk, and I'll, I'll see you Merry soon. Merry Christmas, everybody. If I don't uh, if I don't have a chance to see every, to all the listeners, all the best to you and your families, and all of you. Grant. Thank you, pal. Thanks. See you soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. Mm-hmm.